Well, the Federal Liberal Party looks like having an energy policy for the next election, which will include nuclear energy in the mix. Nuclear and gas is what they're looking at. Uh, the uh, the opposition very keen on using gas as a transition uh, fuel, as opposed to just phasing it out, which the Green Left government in the ACT has announced it'll do. New new premises there, and Victoria too, for that matter. Uh, not to uh, have gas in the um, medium-term future, in the next couple of years, new premises, businesses and households to not be gas-powered uh, in terms of cooking or hot water or whatever else. Well, the Coalition says gas is uh, important, so is nuclear into the future. Now, uh, I've spoken to this lady before, the CEO of the SA Chamber of Mines and Energy. I don't think she minds which particular political party wants to introduce or at least talk about this sort of stuff as long as we do. Uh, Rebecca Noel, good morning to you. Good morning, Matthew, and to your listeners. So nuclear for energy, the uh, the Libs looking at this as part of their federal energy policy moving forward. I, I know you'll welcome this. Oh, absolutely. It's really exciting to finally have a political party that understands uh, the challenge of the energy transition that lies ahead and opposition and energy climate change spokesman Ted O'Brien is exceptionally well uh, versed and well informed and has made it his intention to be well informed about what is required to meet these net zero ambitions. Um, there is united agreement, as we've spoken about before, that we need to rapidly decarbonise. So we know we need to do that. Um, there is also agreement that it can't be done with a renewables alone and your listeners know you don't put all your eggs in one basket and it's absolutely ridiculous to think that one technology, being renewables, um, is going to be able to achieve this, this outcome. So from my perspective, it's absolutely fantastic to see a political leadership um, rather than you know continued polarisation and ideology around what sources of energy are the best sources and which ones are going to get us there. So, you know, it's fantastic. I absolutely welcome uh, Ted O'Brien's comments. Rebecca, let's take the politics out of it, put it to one side. So gas and nuclear, if that is how we transition moving forward, how do you envisage it working between the two? Yeah, so essentially what we need is baseload power. And what, what's happening with the exiting of coal is we're exiting baseload power. So that's power that's running 24-7. So absolutely, we've got renewable energy and we've never had a position of no renewables. We support renewables, but it's intermittent power. So it comes when the sun shines and when the wind blows. But of course, that's not necessarily when we're turning on our lights, uh, our heating, uh, cooking our dinner, or more importantly, when our manufacturing needs to operate. So we do need baseload power to keep the system stable. Now, what's happening in um, South Australia, and we're the jurisdiction with the largest penetration of renewables, in order to get that stability, we've got market intervention that is taking place at, a, at an unprecedented rate um, to make sure that they're switching gas on to keep the system stable. So this switching on and switching off of gas is not fantastic for, um, for gas operators because that's very difficult to run your business when you're being asked to switch on and switch off. What is actually required is baseload and nuclear is the obvious choice, if we're going to phase out coal, then nuclear is the obvious base load to come in. It would still be supported by and, and can be supported by gas um, and gas can continue to, um, to firm up renewables. So just to give you some idea of the costs, because people kind of go, oh, well, we're not seeing these costs. Mm. Well, you're not seeing the costs directly on your household bills, 
But I can assure you that industry in South Australia is seeing their costs. So they no longer just get a cost for their usage of electricity. They're also getting these market pass-through costs. Um, one very large business in South Australia recently uh, told me that these pass-through costs make up 30% wow. of their electricity bill. Now, these costs, just in South Australia, system security direction costs, in the last five years, there's been a 224% increase in these costs. So they've gone from a million dollars a year in 2018 to $275 million a year in 2023. Mm. Now, this is a massive escalation yeah. in cost that industry is having to absorb. But, of course, industry doesn't fully absorb it, do it, do they? They pass on that cost yes. to the person buying the product. So, really, you know, we, we are seriously paying uh, through the nose for uh, a renewable ambition, um, and, you know, that, that is problematic. So when we talk about cost, our perspective is, we really need to talk about the whole cost of system security, not just, you know, saying coming out with trite comments like renewables is the cheapest form of power because yeah. it's simply not true. Regardless of, of that part of the cost, transitioning to nuclear energy particularly is going to come at a cost, isn't it? So no matter what we do, whether we, we just go renewables and, and bear the, the brunt of not enough supply and blackouts and increased costs through setting up wind farms and solar farms, to set up a, a nuclear small modular reactors, whatever it might be moving forward, that's going to come at a, at a cost. We're never going to be free of the expensive power bills we're seeing at the moment. Um, I, th I think we we need to take a, a future future focused view of this. So, if we look at every every three years, uh, industry is paying in South Australia about a billion dollars in market pass through costs. So, within a very short period of time, we've racked up three billion dollars worth of costs. Now, three billion dollars gets you well on the way to an SMR. Um, and that's what we're talking about, small modular reactors. We're not talking about the large cathedrals of power that you see at Hinkley and other places. Mm. We're simply not talking about that anymore. We're talking about SMRs. Um, so there is a cost, but at the moment we can't even have a conversation about the cost of SMRs because we've got a federal prohibition. Um, so no company is going to do a business case whilst you are prohibited by federal law um, to even look at nuclear energy. So... Um, you know, that, that's the first hurdle we need to get across. We need to get rid of the federal prohibition um, and then have some active conversations about where you would site uh, a small modular reactor or a nuclear power station and where you would, how, who would pay for it. All right, at least we... But right now, that renew the renewable costs uh, are eye-watering and I think the community are really starting to see that in the media with the finally conversations about the cost of transmission lines and distribution yes. networks. Yeah, we do need more of those too, don't we? I mean, we're building that into connector to New South Wales and that'll work both ways, I imagine, but primarily to ensure power in SA is shored up. Well, it, it provides an opportunity for renewable uh, generators in South Australia to export their yes. products to New South Wales. Yeah. So it may not, you know, our expectation is that it won't lower energy prices. Right. Good on you, Rebecca. Appreciate your time as always. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Rebecca Noll there, who is the CEO of the SA Chamber of Mines and Energy.